For the past 20 years, you've enjoyed the refreshing tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So in celebration of this milestone, we're bringing Baja Blast in stores nationwide. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. 2024 is the year of Baja Blast. In stores now, no purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 18 plus. Subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com and 615-24. Void were prohibited. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime and blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All of one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. This possibly being a cold I think he's named for that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed how Monday went from stealth to nuclear in like 30 minutes. I just... he's Monday was a day. Monday was a day. Heartline, for reference, like what we're talking about here is he was liking tweets, hating on Keon Coleman. So it was a bunch of Miami fans after their um, biggest loss or their their, their greatest loss, loss yeah. in program history. They were all hating on Keon Coleman because coming off an injury, he scored a touchdown and had 20 yards plus a punt return um, in which they had multiple missed tackles. But it was a really bad game for him, apparently. And, and Brian Hartline thinks that, I guess, liking tweets – hating on Keon Coleman, who, for reference, is a guy that Jeremiah Smith, his number one commit, the number one player in the country, absolutely loves and has told me before on record that he's the best uh, wide receiver in college football. So I don't know what he's trying to accomplish there because he just looks like a hater. Um, and I like his pin tweet is all about, you know, showing uh, – giving praise to people and, and that's going to, you know, make you a better person and make, you know, make them feel better. And here he, here he is, if you check his likes and he's, he's unliking stuff. It's just, it's embarrassing. And I think he's lame for it. The burner account who I don't think is Brian Hartline, but no, that, was, that. that was amazing. Um, like, yeah. I mean, if you look at his tweets, he was literally just looking up Brian Hartline on the Twitter search function and just responding to every Brian Hartline tweet. So Chris, I, you're... I'm, I'm a big facts guy. I just like to point out that, yeah, Keon got held to a reduced amount of receiving yards, despite being one of the best receivers in the country. He also returned a punt that set up the game winning touchdown. For I Florida said that. State. So like, yeah, hey, but let's not credit that. 
Oh, also, it's only about what you do in the statistical category. We're gonna nitpick and use for our Twitter warfare. And if we're gonna take some shots, like uh, I don't think I don't think Arlen's gonna have issues with me taking shots at Miami fans because that's just kind of been my lane lately. Damari Brown did not hold Keon Coleman to twenty-four yards. He also gave well, up. He held Keon Coleman for sure. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blostein. Guys, it's been a hell of a week to have kind of a slower game week because there is stuff happening right now. Um, Zach, I, who are we playing? Um, which it doesn't know. Team in Alabama. It is a team in Alabama. Which portion which direction? of Alabama? Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, we got it. Mighty North Alabama Lions of the I FCS. might have just looked that up. And that's our game preview, sponsored by the Battle's End. On to the rest of the show. Uh, Chattanooga Whiskey is going to sponsor this segment. I'm going to swirl around so you all you can hear just this beautiful golden nectar of the gods. It's their single barrel weeded bourbon. Uh, it might be my favorite like of, of their single barrel selections that I've had. I've had a <laughs> my share amount. Uh, Chattanooga Whiskey does an amazing job at craft distilling. Uh, they are eclectic in how they put things out there. They are freakishly transparent, letting you know what exactly is in the bottle. Their, their malting process is as cool as anything I've heard. So uh, good attention to detail. And yeah, if you're if you're looking to host some, some holiday stuff coming up here, uh, buy some bottles of Chattanooga Whiskey. Let us know on the board or on Twitter that you're doing it so they know that, that you're listening to the message. But like, I you will enjoy the product. I guarantee it. Hope I don't get sued by uh, Friends Warehouse now. Unless they want to sponsor the show. Um, let's get into it, guys. There's recruiting stuff happening. A lot of recruiting stuff happening. We recapped what Florida State did this past weekend against Miami. The atmosphere, the crowd, what that meant for an implication of recruiting stuff, right? And I erred, I think, in thinking that it would probably take a couple of weeks for that to all really like manifest itself in legit things happening uh for fsu but like you guys tell me i'm wrong like it it it's been been days not not weeks potentially yeah it's crunch time baby um i think some of it and i had this thought last evening thinking about like what's ahead for us um i think to some degree fsu wants to know who they should expect to get from the high school ranks right now like that's where they are because obviously the portal opens up T-minus 10 days, roughly. December 4th, the day after, the Monday after the championship uh, yeah. weekend. So we're rapidly approaching it. And, yeah. you know, FSU is a school that believes in constructing rosters and any means necessary, whether high school ranks, portal, they don't play favorites. They play, let's build a good roster. And that's why they've won, you know, 16 straight games and 10 in a row, unlike some schools. Um, so oh, my thought process is FSU sort of wants to know, down this stretch, as they're preparing to bring kids in those last two weekends in December leading up to the early signing period, who who are we likely to get in here for an official? Who do we have a chance of truly getting? And who that we've been involved with throughout this process, i.e. someone like a Kai Bates who officially visited over the summer, do we have a chance of getting here down the stretch as well? Get those ducks in a row, figure it out, you know, construct your high school class, and then figure out what do we need to go to the portal to get because we need a – guy that fills in a class spot in between a freshman and a veteran, or we need a veteran because we're too young at the position, whatever the case might be. We don't expect them to be as portal heavy as we've seen them be in years past, but I think they want to kind of have a figuring out of who they are getting from high school that can help them. You know, 
wide receiver Jeremiah Smith, for example, would be probably an instant impact candidate versus do we need to go to the portal and get a guy to, you know, buy us some time. And I think that's where they're at. I think that's what this week has been. Maybe it's just been that for us because things have finally slowed down with a rivalry game in the rear view, a rivalry game a little bit over a week away, FCS opponents. Maybe that's why we are there as a website. Uh, potentially, but I feel like you put your ear to the ground and listen, you can feel the rumbling a little bit. So it's probably a little bit of both. groups. You mentioned a player's name, Jeremiah Smith. I assume everyone listening to this podcast comes to on the bench to listen to us talk about FSU football, but they know where our bread is buttered is covering recruiting. Because all three of us here can talk, me at the least amount, but to some extent or another, talk about recruiting because we cover it like no one else. If you want to know about FSU recruiting, we take a lot of pride in, in how, what Knowles 24-7 does. Zach, you are leading up the coverage of our Jeremiah Smith recruitment. Everyone knows who he is, but real quick, for the people who may not know, maybe stumbling in late, you know, late season here, kind of trying to get into recruiting, a little bit of context of who Jeremiah Smith, and then we'll get into his, his specific recruitment and what's developing. Yeah, I mean, to put who Jeremiah Smith is into context as a football prospect, 24-7 sports doesn't often rank wide receivers as the number one overall prospect within their rankings because it's not often that the NFL draft, um, in the NFL draft, a wide receiver gets picked number one overall because that's what these rankings are aiming to project to. Well, Jeremiah Smith is the number one overall player in the class of 2024. Obviously, that means he's the number one receiver in the country. Six foot three, 200 pounds out of Chaminade Madonna Prep, which is a dominant program down here in South Florida. Only about 15 minutes away from me, they've, you know, churned out elite level players and it's a good note zach people know how close you are to jeremiah smith yeah and they've turned out elite level players and and we're consistently winning state championships they're on on track to try and do that again this year and jeremiah smith's a huge reason why i think there was a game this year where he had nearly 300 yards receiving in one half and it was against like a legitimate like competition it was a school from new jersey that came down i think it was Burgeon catholic and Jeremiah Smith absolutely torched their secondary with multiple D1 prospects in it. So he is a generational wide receiver prospect, a guy that you're not really going to see yearly. Um, he's a guy that probably the best receiver prospect that I've ever laid my, laid eyes on. Uh, there's a few guys, like obviously over the years that I've liked, but Jeremiah Smith is different, and he's he's been different for a while. Um, I actually first met him when he was, I think, heading into his sophomore season, and he was at a different school, Pace Academy, down in Miami, before he transferred to Chaminade. And he was, he looked way different back then. Um, he really had a growth spurt. I think he was around six foot, six foot one at that time. But that was, you know, heading into his sophomore year, and he already had pretty much all the offers he has now, all the big time ones, Georgia, Florida State, Miami, Ohio State. A, a number of schools were already involved with him then over that next year, he kind of exploded onto the scene and became that elite level wide receiver prospect that we now know him as. And I think, you know, he's obviously a can't miss prospect for, for anyone in the state of Florida um, because all these, all these schools are, are aiming to keep him home, but he made a 
commitment to Ohio State last December. And since then, it's been, you know, all these three in-state schools, Florida, Miami, and FSU, working to change his mind. And the Brian Hartline conversation uh, in the cold open, if you listen to it, uh, Brian Hartline is Ohio State's wide receivers coach and considered the preeminent wide receiver coach in the country. I don't know yeah. if Chris wants to try to replicate his uh, Ohio State doesn't develop quarterbacks. They just recruit good ones. Take no, no, they're great at receivers. So. They're <laughs> okay. great at receivers. So. I mean, he landed Mecca Egg Buka a couple years ago when 24-7 moved Jeremiah Smith up to number one. They did a breakdown of like old receivers over the last decade who were in that hemisphere, basically. Zachariah Branch, who's had a good year at USC this year as a freshman, is one of the more recent one. Evan Stewart, who's at AM, Ekbuka, who's at Ohio State, for example. Um, there's some others over that stretch run. Uh, Rob Foster, for those that remember at Alabama, never really became that guy. Doriel Green Beckham, who I remember being a huge recruit. I think it was a 2012 cycle. Went to Mizzou. Stefan Diggs, who I once chased outside of uh, Ben Hill Griffin, and he separated from me like I've never seen a human separate from me. Yeah, he'd make uh, a I'm, doing I'm that. joking on the chasing. I heard you I mean, made like a lunge tackle or whatever. <laughs> no, but I sort of got he came out. If you've been to Ben Hill Griffin, he came out near where like the Tebow statue and the other Heisman statues are. And he went down towards where the gator is by where the recruits go in at the corner. And I swear from that point to the end, there was a group of us trying to get a hold of him. It was at the end of a Friday Night Lights event there. He he had 50 yards on us in like a 60 yard sprint. It was mind blowing. He he was mind blowingly fast. He was unbelievable that night. He lived up to that, and he still is. Anyways, I digress. Um, sure, so yeah, it just really it, it, it's rare. Yeah, uh, I I've I think I may have thrown it out. I know others have. He might be the best one since Julio. Um, in the sense of high school prospect, what's expected of him at that position. That's his comp on our, if yeah. you look at the 24-7 sports profile on him. Julio, freaky yeah. big, freaky athletic, unbelievable body motion movement, uh, elasticity, great hands, explosive as they come, and he just shows up and makes huge yeah. plays. I, and I, his, uh, I was just going to say, his cousin is Geno Smith, the quarterback in the NFL, um, like first cousin. So they're they're actually really close. And um, I, I showed I showed Ashley his film the other day. I was like, hey, this guy's like FSU's making a push for. Uh, and she, she goes, oh, he moves different than everyone else. I was like, yes, he, he does. That oh, is. Ashley, elite uh, evaluator? Uh, yeah, she, that's where I make all my, my recruiting grades. I ask for her to look at it, and she breaks it down in a way that I understand and articulate it. So there you go. Um, so we mentioned all this. We've talked about Jeremiah Smith for no reason, right? Like there's nothing happening there. But let's talk about it, Zach. Um, we have been – I think fairly consistent in saying FSU, if it won games, if it got too late in the season with a really good record, would have a chance at pulling off the flip. It's November 16th as we're recording this. FSU is 10-0, and 11-0 uh, come soon, and then you end the season at the Swamp, and we'll talk about some of Florida's stuff and have some fun uh, at their troubles a little bit later. You have a chance to go undefeated in the regular season. It's all on the table. So everything that they've – could have done they've done on the field uh, he was at florida state this past weekend for uh, for a visit an unofficial visit we've talked about that on the podcast as well fsu has continually chipped away and done the things it needs to do to be in this position what is the latest what can we confidently report with the jeremiah smith recruitment because there is stuff happening yeah i mean i can say for sure that i've never felt more confident than i am right now about florida state's chances of flipping him 
I think they, like you said, Brendan, they've done really everything right in this recruitment. Um, you know, the only, like, it seems like everything's falling in their favor um, over the course of the past year. They've gotten them on campus multiple times for multi-day unofficial visits. They've continued to get him on campus this season. He goes to the LSU game. Keon Coleman receives or hauls in three touchdowns in that game. And that's kind of, if you want to look at it, somewhat of a comp. Obviously, Keon's more of a, a bigger body dude, um, 6'4", 215. Whereas, you know, Jeremiah Smith could grow into that. But right now, he's, he's a little bit more slender. They have a similar kind of skill set a uh, little bit. Jeremiah Smith's more explosive, in my opinion. Um, but if you want to comp like that, that's that's it, a good one for Florida it's an State easy and, yeah, and, and Keon Coleman was 6'4, 200 in high school. So, like, you you start talking about your strength and conditioning, probably yeah, there's stuff to sell, absolutely. And, and they both uh, were number four, which, yeah, exactly. And after that game, he tweets, like, you know, four is legit or something like that on Twitter. So, from that point on, I think Florida State had him sold that they could feature a star wide receiver in their offense. They did it obviously last year with Johnny Wilson. Keon Coleman's been a little bit more consistent than Johnny over the course of this year, but they're both big body receivers that are pretty much dominating opponents weekly when they're healthy. Um, and, and that's really what Florida State's sold Jeremiah Smith on, um, being able to come in and contribute early because he's going to be able to contribute early. He's that good of a prospect and be featured in an offense that has proven to put guys, you know, on the, on the biggest stage and, and, you know, put them in position to make plays. And mm -hmm. that's what Mike Norvell has preached from the start of his tenure at FSU. He finally got the guys within his scheme to pull that off. And it's working on the recruiting trail as a sales pitch. Um, and then if you want to talk about, you know, other things like obviously Ohio state's doing well, their offense isn't humming, but Marvin Harrison jr. Is probably the best wide receiver in college football. Oh yeah, so, he's really fun. Yeah, I mean he's over a thousand yards receiving already. But like, if you look at their wide receiver like splits and stuff after that, I think the next closest guy is like three hundred or five hundred or something, and he's a tight end. And yeah, some of that. The some Florida kids up there who haven't been super productive. This yeah, year. like they have. They signed Brandon Ennis last year, who's a five-star wide receiver out of um, American Heritage, and he. I think he has one touchdown in the season and wasn't playing much in the beginning of the year. But like Jeremiah Smith is going to go anywhere and he's going to be able to contribute early. So I'm not super caught up on that. I don't think that's a huge like negative towards Ohio State. I just think this is really about Florida State. Mike Norvell is a huge factor here. I remember Jeremiah Smith. I was digging into past interviews I've done with him and he mentioned having a conversation with Norvell earlier on like I think it was his sophomore year. He came up for a camp with um, with JoJo Trader, the Miami commit, who they both play on the same team. And Jeremiah talks about how Norvell told him, like told Jeremiah, this was before he was, you know, a really big time prospect. Like you're you're going to be a dude. You're going to be the best in the country. And Jeremiah spoke about how, like, you know, that that all all obviously came true, and how much he appreciated Norvell for that message. And in that conversation, Norvell also promised him about bringing the Florida State program back. Well, he's done that. They're 10 and 3, and then 10 and 0 so far this year. And, you know, it's an in state school. It gives Jeremiah Smith an opportunity to stay in state, 
and have his family, you know, have easier access to games. Obviously, Tallahassee is far from South Florida, but not a far flight. So that's a plus. And I just FSU's just done everything right in this recruitment to this point. And I, I truly do think they can pull this off. Um, I, I've always been hesitant because of what he said on record about Ohio State and off record. Um, it seemed like the general perception nationally was that flipping him was almost impossible. I don't think that at all. I think flipping him is possible and maybe probable at this point. I used to be a, as long as Hartline's at Ohio State guy, Smith's probably ending up there. I'm certainly not that anymore. Even I never just playing detective, like anyone can do this, like the social media scrubbing of Ohio State stuff. Um, although I'm not an expert in knowing did he have Ohio State commit in this banner beforehand, but Twitter certainly told me that he's changed it. So if it's on X, then I believe it God's to be plan. true. He, he tweeted out God's plan, which um, you two have been doing this long enough to know uh, that sort of cryptic text could mean something, could not. But that in conjunction with no Ohio State commitment on the uh, on the header, there are things happening beyond that. Uh, One thing I don't know if Zach mentioned there, but he still has his official visit to FBC yes. to use. Which, which I think the timeline stuff, like when we thought there could be, when I mentioned, I mentioned at the top of the segment, there could be things happening for Florida State. And I thought it'd be weeks after the Miami visit. Like that was part of what's in there. Like others would be this gradual recruitment to where you're trying to shoot your final shot at the very bitter end. Uh, we will see. We will see, like, if it goes that long. Uh, Florida State is making a legitimate push here to see if they can do it. You have to do it, right? Like, Ohio State's not going to go down without a fight. Uh, but this has gotten very interesting this week, and it's why we've led this podcast, this segment, talking about it, because it is a generational talent who is – as Chris and Zach both said, have, has kind of, we've changed our tune to the timing of it, to the realisticness of it. Uh, there's legitimacy to this being a possibility. I think it's the best way I can phrase it. Oh, that, that's, that's what's happening with Jeremiah Smith. Uh, another recruit we want to touch base on a little bit. Chris mentioned him earlier. Zach did a little bit of reporting on it yesterday. It's on the Nolts 247 message board. And that's Kai Bates. He was a, he is a top 100 recruit nationally, a cornerback from the Orlando area. He was committed to LSU. He decommitted shortly after an unofficial visit to Florida State this past weekend. I think that timing is significant. We have been steadfast in mentioning that Tennessee is in play for him. Uh, but Zach, fair to say that Florida State is also very much so in play for Kai Bates. Yeah, I think it's Florida State and Tennessee are probably neck and neck right now trying to land Kai Bates. Obviously steps away from his LSU commitment, but I do think that Florida State, after hosting him over the weekend, has some momentum here. The one thing I'll note that I mentioned on the Nos 24-7 message board is that I'm tracking where he's going to be this weekend. Is it going to be Tennessee? Because that was the original plan. Apparently that's been planned for weeks but Kai told me specifically that he was unsure of those plans as of earlier this week, right after he had decommitted from LSU. And then Florida State could also get him on campus for a second week in a row. And I think if they do that, that would tell you everything you need to know about where this recruitment stands and FSU's position in it. Or he could stay home, which I think would be interesting because it probably prolongs this recruitment a little longer. Um, 
you know, heading into the week, I, I thought that he would make a decision like imminently. You know, that I think that's a little up in the air now. We'll kind of see where things go. Um, I feel good about FSU's chances with Kai Bates, but I think there's still some work to be done, and we'll kind of we'll track if he heads anywhere this weekend because um, I think that will be an important data point for this recruitment. What's happening in Gainesville, guys? Three commitments lost, uh, three blue chip commitments lost within the last, I think, five days. So they lost one during their game. We talked about, I think, on the last podcast. Um, was Jamonte Waller. Waller. Yeah. The day after, Wardell Mack flips to Texas, who I think FSU could have gotten Wardell Mack. Um, I, do, I do too. Yeah. But but he flips to Texas. Fresh and, off FSU visit last weekend. He yes. flips to Texas. Um, he was at FSU on Saturday, flips to Texas on Sunday. And then Brendan, prophetic, putting in the crystal ball for Nasir Johnson, the four-star D lineman, who FSU was also involved with, um, to flip to Georgia from UF. And that happens a few days later. So UF is now down three of their blue-chip commitments in their what was a really awesome 2024 recruiting class for Billy Napier. And you know, obviously we're not a Florida Florida podcast, but it's important to keep track of rivals. As well, It is because it directly, a few reasons. Uh, one, just it's fun. Two, FSU moves up to number three in the class rankings by doing nothing, really. Just Florida. Well, they, landed, uh, they landed Jamari Howard. Oh, that's true. But they were still number. Well, they well. They were still number four. But don't, ruin, yeah. don't ruin my narrative right now. They did nothing this past weekend in terms of commitments, and they moved up. Yeah. The games, as the kids say, got played, and UF struggling mightily. Fast forward, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but you know, I've been known to do that before. FSU has a chance to do some pretty like destructive stuff to Billy Napier in the next week and a half. Like if you. If Florida loses to Missouri, and if you go into the swamp and play your A game, like nail and coffin type of stuff, whether it's imminent or a year from now, but like you have a chance to bury someone, to bury a rival. And and I can see in Chris Knee's eyes right now. He doesn't like getting over his skis. He's wearing that Florida blue too. Oh, he is. But we'll, Tampa, we'll disregard Tampa Bay Lightning boys. Tampa Bay. We'll Lightning. disregard that. But the man from Jacksonville has a little smirk <clears throat> on his face, a little glimmer of of shining in the light when he's thinking about what could be uh, to your rival this deconstruction. I'm not spiking the ball quite yet, guys. Um, That's fine. You don't have to. So Florida's class still ranks five. Still a good class, but yes. Showing some cracks. Uh, but, LJ McCray is the highest ranked commitment, and that's the guy that FSU is most actively pursuing. That was my third point, is yeah. it is relevant that the class is falling around and you're going after their the gem of their class. Yeah, yeah. and also they're, they're likely to lose another guy, Amaris yeah, Williams. Williams. Yeah, who's who's a another blue chip, top 100 kid uh, along the D-line. Getting LJ McCray, and I know it was an unofficial, but like and it, it he said it's because he's chilling with Zay Mincy, and that's awesome. And getting Zay Mincy in the fold, like, and having a shot at the, the talented DB recruit, awesome. Like, that's all good stuff. Uh, there's probably reasons why, like, you're okay letting Wardell Mack not commit if you think that's, like, if you're open to that theory being a thing. That's because you're you're positioning yourself better with someone who you have higher on your board in a Zay Mincy. And to uh, go back into our recent murky history of disappointment and anger, if they want to get Travis Hunter, then DJ Legway can do something. But 
I don't know where that. You don't want to get ahead of yourself. I don't, but I'm just saying like that. I I think ever since Travis Hunter occurred, I think schools with a very highly ranked commitment from out of state or an area where they can get plucked away, they worry about that. And I think Lagway is a guy for that. I think if I think if they lose Lagway, it's over for Napier. Because you have to have stuff to sell. That was always like the the Napier situation is weird to me because their schedule next year is brutal. So I don't know what you do. I don't know if you you. Well, first and foremost, I think their AD is probably a guy who's on the hot seat as much as any coach. Um, but do you fire Napier and hire somebody and put him in the position of having an ultra difficult schedule, or do you let Napier try to? I don't think they fire the ship. Do it. I agree yeah. with you. I just think he's if you lose Lagway, it's like it's a dead in water type of lame duck situation, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it will be interesting to me how that all plays out in Gainesville. Billy has shown the season to not be last two seasons, not be a great in game coach. You have to have something right. Like when, when Mike Norvell was struggling on the recruiting trail and I know it didn't look good early on, but we were there at practice. Chris. Like we knew that there was like legitimate development and you could see it then happening, paying attention into practice, which we're known to do. Like we value those, those two days each week. And it's a huge data point and people internally at Florida state, people who make decisions. Like that's why all the ESPN and national narratives about him being on the hot seat, no, I mean, they had to go out and win games in 2022, but it wasn't this like, uh, yeah, he's a he's a lame duck coach right now. Because they knew what he was doing internally was developing the program. Yeah, and at some so, point, you got to stabilize and you got to yeah. feel like you're at least getting your feet solidly on the ground and maybe trend in a positive direction. That doesn't feel like that's happened at any point for Billy Napier in Gainesville. The one I thing don't know Billy, if next year affords him that either. The one thing I say like Billy can hang his hat on is like they do have a lot of true freshmen playing. Uh, but in all seriousness, playing well. And like you are at least there's the glimmer of hope. But if recruiting starts falling apart as it as it is and continues to, then like the hope factor starts lessening. And, and they have not done a good job recruiting the portal. Like last they were like notably, last year. They were like notably bad in the portal last year. Like, um, yeah, where they had you know people within our network were were like I think Jacob like wrote stuff on just like how they, yeah they were like organized they this, were doing this thing yeah. where they would like wait to host a kid and then like before they could even host him he would like commit elsewhere like they, there was like an offensive lineman that committed to Ohio State or something yeah it, Trent totally different like you want to have the last visit if you're for high school recruits I think in portal having the first one because it moves so fast is absolutely valuable yeah uh, but I'd say like. Back on point of how it impacts FSU, I know we in, enjoy the uh, the shot and throw at FUF not doing well. Uh, LJ McCray showing up to watch that Miami game in that atmosphere is a win for you. It can be said with any reason, like oh, I was there with LJ or excuse me with, with Zay. Fine, that's all well and good. He still saw it. He still experienced it. He still felt it. He's going to be in the swamp most likely in ten days from now. Like. Watching Florida, yes, but he will also be watching Florida State, and you have a chance to hammer a point home. And that's that's my point. Like that, things are falling apart all around you. If you're Florida, if you're Florida State, you have a chance to go ahead and, and spike it. That, that's how I view it. And it can be a spike that it reverberates beyond just impacting a coach. It can reverberate with you putting yourself in as good of a position as possible to take a, a top ten recruit away from them too. So yeah, things are happening, guys. This is this has been a fun, uh, this has been a fun, interesting week. We're only here on Thursday. The week's still going. Uh, quick, Buyer Sinone, who's it sponsored by? The Turner Group. Turner Group. Buyer Sinone, Nick Saban sideswiped Miami. <laughs> uh, I I think I'm Sinoning it. I don't think it was intentional to like direct it at Miami, but maybe uh, has I think Nick it was and Mario had schools. any beef. 
I, I think it was intentional at schools that try to recruit by saying that Alabama doesn't play freshmen or negatively recruit Alabama that saying that they don't play freshmen when it's never been like the quote was that he's never in his entire tenure been asked by an NFL scout or team that whether a guy played as a freshman because it's yeah not an important data point to NFL um, squads. Little Purdy told me that Miami's gonna be pretty aggressive in the transfer portal this cycle. Do they not develop some of their younger players? Well, I thought that the portal wasn't sustainable. The games got played. Moving on to our next segment. Zach, who's sponsoring this one? Football coach, college dynasty, the number one college football management game for PC. Be a coach, create game plans, call plays, recruit players, develop your team, and compete for national championships. It features everything you love about college football, including conference realignment, school boosters, official visits for recruits, the transfer portal, and even NIL. Football Coach College Dynasty is available now on Steam for $15. Did we mention this on the last podcast about uh, the guy behind me and, and Doak was was a big Mills uh, 24-7 supporter and, and said that he had started playing Football Coach College Dynasty? Said it was a lot of fun. I think we did, but it's still a good anecdote, and I'm glad you used it again. I think it's effective. Awesome. It's good good to know that people are, are listening and playing playing the video games we tell them to play and drinking the whiskey we we tell them to, to drink. Now you just need to go out and just get really drunk and start buying houses from the Turner Group willy-nilly. I think we're we're sitting pretty for a long and time. And donate to the battle's end. Yeah. All that stuff is good. Um, Chris, you were not here on Monday to relish in the Jimbo Fisher firing, uh, but you were there on yes. the press conference. <laughs> I feel like if anyone were to enjoy that of this trio, not that I didn't enjoy it to an extent, I feel like you were the man to to really uh, do the schadenfreude thing. You can if you want, but what I want to to tie this in with is you were there at the Monday press conference. Mike Ravel was asked about being on, on hot boards. I thought the answer was awesome. Like I thought it's what you want without it just being an outright denial, which carries no weight. Like a coach coming out and saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here forever. We've heard that before. And it doesn't. I'm a Dolphins mean, fan. I've definitely heard that before. It doesn't mean crap. Uh, the way that, so you have to listen to like the intonations and like talking about the future and building at Florida state. And like, those are the things that, and like, then also having this little cherry on top to be like, yeah, people tried to negatively recruit me two years ago. Uh, because they said I wasn't going to be here long because we weren't in enough games. Now they're going to negatively recruit me because we're winning so many games. They're saying I'm going to move on. He's like, it's funny how that worked. I thought it was a pitch perfect response. I know some of our message board wanted him to come out and say, not leaving anywhere. But again, I, I, you need to keep things open for leverage points. He wants to maximize, I think, what is built around him with this program. And like, I don't fault anyone for for painting themselves in a corner. So your thoughts on Jimbo Jimbo Fisher's uh, vacancy at Texas A&M, Mike Norvell being hot-boarded to it, Byers Sinone sponsored by the Turner Group. Uh, Mike Norvell is not going to Texas A&M. I mean, Jimbo getting shit-canned is one of the greatest moments of my life, maybe. I mean, the guy deserves it. He deserves every bad thing that ever happens to him at this point in his life. Um, well, you're a bad well, no, uh, well, On the football field. On the football field, yes. That's what I meant. Uh, professionally, yes. Um, but he's a bad person. So like, it is what it is. Um, as far, far as Mike being mentioned for that, I, 
yeah, of course he's going to be mentioned for that. He's a coach of the year candidate with 10 and 0 football team out of school that had their last coach plucked away. It's the same reason Oregon and Dan Lanning's mentioned. Oregon's had last two coaches plucked away. Yeah, when that happens at a university, they're viewed as, I guess, maybe an easy target. I don't think that's the case here with FSU. I think FSU, where they are right now with their head coach and the relationship within the hierarchy of Florida State athletics and football, that things are in good order. The coach is happy. He is satisfied with how things are being done. And he understands that the things he will need in the future to continue having success here are there for him and are going to be made available to him and that the contract is going to be very good. I also don't think Texas A&M is going to spend as insanely foolishly as they did last time in a coaching search when they hired Jimbo Fisher. And for the love of God, I hope they don't guarantee $100 million. It would be really hard to to top the so, level of money they dedicated to him. As far as Mike's response on Monday, I thought it was perfectly fine. Uh, actions mean a whole lot more than words, so that's kind of how I view those things. You know, some people love Dan Lanning's, and yeah, maybe Lanning had a little bit more directness in it all, so I get that idea, but like at the same time, it's actions, not words that matter. As far as my concerns with Mike Norvell being an actual candidate other than just a hot poured rumor, I don't have any concerns about that legitimately. I, I never say never because I've done this long enough to see pretty much anything and everything happen, but I don't expect Mike Norvell to leave FSU, and I certainly don't expect it to be for Texas A&M. But yeah, that, that's about it. And and I think Dan Lanning, like more of a on the on the back end, had more reason to do deny because I think he was considered more of a link from industry people than Mike Norvell because. I'm not entirely sure of the reasoning, uh, but just that was dots were being connected, probably more adamant for for or more urgent for him to be adamant. So I think Texas A&M's hire is going to be a from a like uh, national headline standpoint a major step back from what the, the UTS coach time. comes to mind. Some of yeah, some or maybe an NFL assistant who has some ties to either the school or the Texas area. I just I don't think they're going to be able to big game hunt and have success. I understand they can spend a ton of money and that they have a war chest that's unlike most others. I get all that. I just don't think that, you know, yeah, sure, maybe somebody's out there who's just all about the money. But, like, I, I don't think that wins out in the end like it did last time where a guy just wanted an endless piggy bank and look what that brought him. Oh, I definitely didn't buy an elite recruiting class with it. Sliced bread said as much. I don't even know if that was a good uh, jab. That was kind of lame. My bad. Moving on. Uh, we are hinting at portal season begins uh, on December 4th, I believe is the date. Uh, it's only November 16th, but we'll be, we'll be diving into UF coverage uh, next week. It'll be Thanksgiving. And then the week after that, ACC conference championship game. So like a lot of the focus this week has been on the recruiting element and the team building and, and whatnot. And, there will be more transfer portal coverage and obviously a ton more recruiting coverage throughout the next few weeks here. Uh, but want to get ahead of it a little bit and get organized. One like element that I wanted to talk to you guys about, because I think we all have varying opinions on it, is the most important position on the field, quarterback. Do we think Florida State ventures into the market, dips its toe into the water to potentially get a transfer quarterback for 2024 at the end of the Jordan Travis era as it, as it expires and what an era it's been. But um, yeah. What, what are we thinking guys? I know where I, I know where I stand. I think I know where Chris stands. Zach, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on transfer quarterback uh, buyer Sinone? I'm buying it. Um, mm. I think I've, 
you know, I, I've put my thoughts on it out on like the 24 seven sports recruiting podcast, a couple or recruiting show a couple of weeks ago, but I just think you need a one-year guy to bridge the gap. Um, I will, the caveat is that I've not watched a single practice since the spring. So I'm not seeing Tate Roadmaker and AJ Duffy and Brock Lenz throw the football every day or every week, like you guys are. Um, but from what I saw in the spring, no one excited me enough to make me think that you have a guy on the roster that you're not going to take a huge, I shouldn't say huge, a big step back from the play of Jordan Travis this season um, heading into 2024. And I think it'll be good for everyone in that room to have a veteran presence like that. Like Tate Roadmaker is obviously a veteran. Like he's been in the program for a while. I just feel more confident if there is a, like the caveat is like another caveat is like, if there's an option available that makes right. sense. Yeah. Um, it, obviously if it's, if it, if you're trying to reach for someone, then no, like don't just take a guy to take a guy. Um, I feel good about the arms in the room. Do I feel great? No. And I think that's probably why FSU is going to explore that market. What about you guys? I'm still a soft Sinone. Um, <laughs> okay. Paper <laughs> Heisman. Uh, I, for me, it's more a don't rock the boat. I think you've got enough capable talent in there to feel trustworthy with what you have in there. And I don't uh, – there's always the caveat of if the right guy comes along, it's a perfect fit. and It makes sense for everybody, and it's not going to – cause concern with the future of guys like Brock Glenn or Luke Cromanhawk um, takes a little different because he's older, then sure, you take a look. I, I think they will dabble in it, certainly. I don't know at the end of the day that they take one. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All of one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. I so here's where my conflicting point comes. It's not like it's been interesting to see the fan response to when we throw this question out there because it's very split. Some it's like you don't want to ruin the future with Brock Glenn and Luke Cromanhawk, uh, by or, or scare them away or any kind of element like that. 
Uh, and then there's another like part of the fan base that's talking about the ability for Tate Rodemaker to have a chance to be quarterback one. Uh, and listen, he's gotten better. Like that is without a doubt. And it was, it, it's commendable, like the growth that he's made, but he is a veteran who's not battle tested. He had the second half against Louisville. He's has the highest quarterback rating in the country this year, but almost all that comes out uh, off of yak. Maybe we get a chance to see him in a more complete game scenario if FSU gets up early this week against uh, which direction of Alabama, Zach? North Alabama. That way. All right, nailed it. Um, good. God, everyone's paying attention. Uh, I think I, though, like take a step back and just from – if you take a 1,000-foot you know, view on it, Florida State is competing for a spot in the playoffs this year. Playoff expands next year. If you're saying, are you going to – trust the potential to compete for a playoff, which you want to do next year, even if it's a bit of a rebuild and it's going to be a youth movement, like to keep the recruiting momentum going, like you need to be competitive. Right. And like, are you, are you comfortable that Tate Rodemaker gets you there versus I, I throw out like a Riley Leonard. I don't think, I think Riley Leonard, if he plays another season of college football would play with Mike Elko. He's extremely low, but would like someone that give you more comfort for me, Yes. And like, there's a calculus you're doing. Like, do you not want to disrupt the room with the younger guys? I'm as big of a Brock Glenn fan as I think anyone who gets to see him practice. Dane would try to probably take that from me, but he also compared Darren Williamson to <laughs> Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Thank you. And I like Darren Williamson too. I'm just saying I have a hard time. Uh, I have a hard time beating Dane uh, to the race to get to the top of the throne for the, uh, the, the president fan club sometimes. Point being, I would feel okay with Brooklyn being your starting quarterback as a redshirt freshman. I think he's got moxie. I think he has a really nice arm. I think he's smart and takes coaching well. He, yes, he has things that I just don't want to say about a, a young a teenager, Chris. Um, oh, well, um, back onto topic. What in the... I, Chris made a gesture that it just... Uh, Onions. Uh, Brock Glenn is a dude and will be a dude. I don't think taking a senior quarterback scares him away enough. And I think you have the uh, the best way to build your program is to allow guys to mature at their own pace and not force someone into a spot where you could break them before you make them. And I like, I would I would hedge my bet on getting a handpicked quarterback for a year, running the risk of that running off Tate Rodemaker. So be it and then turning your attention to the future in 2025 with Brock Glenn or Luke Cromenhawk having a full year under his belt. That's so what I'm You're saying starter quality type, not safety net type. Correct. I, I, safety net type doesn't give you anything, in my, my estimation. Just it murkies the room. And for people listening, we, yeah, we're not including A.J. Duffy in this conversation. He just hasn't shown enough to me to, to think that he is the guy. When FSU brought up its backup quarterbacks one day early in camp, they brought out Brock to talk to me. It was Brock Glenn. It was Tate Rodemaker. There's no longer three of them. Take that for what, what it's worth. I just that that's the formula. That's the calculus. That's who's in the room for the future right now in my in my mind. Um so yeah, yeah, it has to be a dude that Zach mentioned. Like it has to be a guy who has starting experience, who you know you're building your offense around immediately in that, you know, in that lone year, and you roll the dice. And if that means you lose Tate Roadmaker, like I think that's a I think that's a gamble that you have to be comfortable making. I don't think it would impact the younger guys. Uh, that's the the hedge to that bet. Um, 
So yeah, we're all at, I think, different places of this. Real quick, I want to play Byers Sinone, uh, but a little bit of, of time here needs to be spent to uh, probably more deservedly than, than what we're going to. But like the legacy, Chris, of the senior class, I want to talk about it for a second. Like here, Adam Fuller talk about some of the guys who've been in this program since the beginning, like legitimately gave me goosebumps as we come out the development they've had and the maturity. And you can sense Mike Norvell get emotional when he talks about it. Uh, these were players, a lot of these seniors didn't commit to this coaching staff. A lot of these seniors lost a lot of football games. A lot of these seniors had people talk poorly about them, had us write articles saying that they weren't particularly good or, you know, analytic based stuff to say they're not getting it done. And the growth for those who have stayed and remained uh, to be fixtures of this top five program right now, Nee, uh, it commendable, a commendable group. I want to just get your thoughts on the legacy, starting with Jordan Travis, but, but the senior class that will be honored on Saturday um, should be, FSU fans should appreciate and commend what, what they've done. It does start with Jordan Travis, and obviously he's been the engine that's kind of made it go and turned this thing around to what it's become. But, yeah, you, you kind of summed it up well there. I mean, thank you. as you go down every bit and piece of it, it's dudes that have been massive in the turnaround. Fabian Love, it's a guy that I think brought a lot of experience and leadership and a little bit of fire to him too, which I think was needed for that D-line group. And, you know, he's dealt with a ton of health stuff in his time here, and his rep count's not great this year in the sense of he's playing 20 to 30 snaps on average per game. But when he goes out there, he does give it his all. He sets that tone. Kalen Deloach is one of those – from the beginning guys, and he's turned into an ACC defensive player of the year candidate, even if we're not going to recognize him that way as a league. I think that's what he has played like this year. I think that's fair to say. And Kalen is one of the best cases of like a guy buying in and it, it transitioning him into a great player. He always had a good work ethic. He's a good kid. You know, he was raised right. There's a whole lot of things like about Kalen, but it clicked for him and it clicked for him because he chose for it to click for him. And I think it's a perfect example of this app. Another guy that fits that narrative, Jerry and Jones. I mean, hell, I think three years ago, I don't think I really liked Jerry and Jones. And now I absolutely love the kid. Uh, I think for, you, you were not, you were not a fan. That is fair. Right. I, and I love him now. Like I love his personality. I love the way he goes about his work. I love the way he is with his teammates, with his coaches. I like that. He has that like permanent chip on his shoulder. Love that about him. Dennis Briggs. I'm fan club president. I, I think the word of the guy, he's a mature. They compared man. him to Aaron Donald, so no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did uh, not. Bernardo Green's turned into the glove, been an excellent cornerback for him. Uh, Tatum Bethune, huge piece to wide linebacker room turned around. I mean, you can go down the whole list. And yeah. it's just, it's so many guys that were important. James Rosenberry, the unspoken hero of awkward questions. You know, really, really impressive long snapper, big part of that battery on special teams that has a great deal of success. You throw a guy in there who's a one-year guy, Braden Fisk. Yeah, we think the world of Braden Fisk, what he's brought to that room, similar to Love It in a different way. Been an excellent player. Even if the stats don't say he's been great, he has been. Yeah, it's, 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 it's cool. kind of incredible. And for the guys like Jordan Travis and Kalen Deloach, who, and Jerry and Jones, even to a degree, and Fabian Lovett, who went through a lot of really crappy moments in this program and a lot of low times, like, yeah, give them their flowers. They deserve it. I, 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 senior day is interesting because like, it's like, hey, let's all get emotional. And then, yeah, we're going to kick the ball and play a really violent football game. So it's always funny to me how that coincides with one another. But on Saturday, I really hope the fans do give that entire group an unbelievable ovation. And obviously Jordan Travis is a guy who one of the best to ever play the position here at this school. And 
well, we've had three of the best ever played in college football. So that says a hell of a lot about Jordan Travis. And, and whatever happens for the rest of the season, like Jordan Travis will have a, a place, I think, in, in in this fan base's mind and heart, like that someone who the figurehead, the, the, the focal point, the front of turning, the front-facing guy of turning this around, right? Like you were down in the dumps as a program. You were directionless. Uh, you were going through change year after year. It did not look good. It was bleak. And he kind of wrote, like, he's symbolic of the Phoenix, like of the rising. As, of the as he evolved, so did FSU. Yeah, and as he that. believed in himself and trusted himself and, you know, leaned into the competitor he always was while becoming a better football player, as many others on the roster did, FSU became better. And he is yeah. development personified. Like he is, he is what you hang your hat on when you talk about legitimate growth. And it took a village to like to get there. Right. But like, he is he is the personification of it, and he he's also an exceptional leader. Every dude behind him will follow him into that war. You know, look at the Florida game last year. If you have any questions about how much Jordan Travis cares about winning, like yeah, yeah, I think to me that's a game in his career, and he's had a hell of a lot of good games. But that's a game to me where it was like, you know, we're not leaving here without a victory tonight. Mm-hmm. He's a dude. Um, let's let's do a little bit of buyers unknown. Who's it sponsored by, gentlemen? The Turner Group. The Turner Group. Don't Sanone on getting into the housing market just because it scares the crap out of you and you don't know what to expect. You'll be in good hands with Colin Turner, Amy Turner. Chris, you weren't here on Monday to do it, so. Becky. Of the Turner Group. Everyone there is going to do an amazing, like, hands-on job of putting you in a position to get your dream house. If you want to sell your house and maximize it, like, if you're in the state of Florida, that's where you need to turn to. Uh, they they are professional. They're hardworking. They're connected. The Turner Group is where you need to go. Uh, Byerson and Own, sponsored by the Turner Group. This is from Rocastropa Tyco. He's told me how to do it before, but I'm sorry. The lucky, <laughs> tank, the lucky Tank makes an appearance on OTB before the season is over. I don't think I've done a Lucky Tank in two years, uh, and they've been just fine without me doing it. So You might need it for the playoffs. We may need that kind of We're not sure. Listen, playoffs. if they make it to the playoffs, we're not changing what, what I've been wearing or not wearing. The lacy thong I wear every single podcast. Oh my god! Sanone, oh. <laughs> please stop. Hard Sanone. <laughs> Fayette Noel forty four. Byers Sanone. Benson cleans up these last two games and finishes with a thousand rushing yards. I'm going to Sanone it without even looking at his rushing yards. Uh, I think he's around seven fifty. I don't think Ball you're going to play him a ton this week. You might play him some. He's at seven twenty right now. Ten yeah. touchdowns. I just they're not worth it. I think he reaches a thousand by maybe the end of the ACC championship ACC, game. I don't yeah. think it sees two games. I I think FSU is going to try to lean into their depth pretty heavy this week. And they, Florida, they Florida, yeah. while they have issues and their defense certainly has issues, I don't think FSU is going to run wild on them necessarily. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would say no, and I, I think it'll probably go into the postseason. Drew 904, yep. Byer Sinone, FSU gets a commitment this weekend. Go Sinone. ahead, Zach. Sinone for me. This weekend. So what, what counts as the weekend? By the, by the end of, let's say by the end of Sunday, Sunday at midnight. No, he's saying oh, like Saturday, Sunday's the weekend. This is Tallahassee. The weekend starts on Thursday. Um, If it's just Saturday and Sunday, I guess Sinone. Buy or Sonome from GNV Null. Hussey starts this year. 
Chris? I'm going to say known that. I, Dane did compare him to Ed Reed, so you're not quite the president <laughs> of the fan club, but you are second. You're the vice president. Go ahead. I, I'm still going to say known that. I think his rep count is going to increase. I think there's going to be a great deal of investment in him this week, but I don't expect him to start this week. I certainly don't expect him to probably get the start in Swamp or the ACC championship game. If you're not doing it at that point, you're probably not doing it in the playoffs either or whatever bowl game FSU is in. Buy or Sinone? Oh, I like this question. Peeling to nerdiness. Zach, I'll throw this to you first. Montgomery, Noel, Buy or Sinone? FSU is like the Oakland A's in Moneyball trying to do more with less. On the roster right now? Or are you talking about – like, what are, we, what are we talking about? All right, about? Chris, Buy or Sinone? Dude, like – FSU I, is like the Oakland A's in Moneyball trying to do more with less. I will say no. I think FSU has been very smart about how they go about building a roster, basically using salary cap in the NIL era to do so. Um, but I wouldn't compare them quite to the A's where they would take like a broken down player who couldn't catch any more and turn into a first baseman. For you know, I mean, they kind of did that this last cycle, the transfer portal, like Johnny Wilson and Michael Pittman and Michael Pittman and Jordan Trudd. I think they're beyond that point. Yeah, that's yeah. not what they want to be, but they've kind of had to be like that over the past few years because they haven't been able to recruit. I mean, they went and got what was viewed as an all-league uh, caliber player at corner. They went and got you know, one of the best D-tackles from G5, one of the best ones available in the portal this year. Like, yeah, there was a lot of Coleman. that. Yeah, yeah, and that guy too, yes. And they're trending to finish with uh, almost a Shirley at this point. With, let that sink in a top five class. We're no longer talking about top ten, they, top five, maybe top three, maybe top two. Like, earlier we talked about how UF hasn't been great at handling the portal and they're one of many examples i think fsu is the polar opposite of that i think fsu has been pretty exceptional at handling the portal with learning along the way to a degree because they are a school that leaned into it harder than most early on but now i think they're a place that's a destination for the portal and they know how to navigate it very well and they're very effective at doing it yeah and they're i mean we saw it this past cycle like they're not looking for these project guys that really haven't produced that much at their previous schools like they're they're looking for established guys that can help them at you know a, a few positions whereas the first few years of norval was literally any position possible that can help you know upgrade our roster which is yeah. the general mindset that florida state's still in but we know that they don't need help at every position yeah. the, the biggest reach of the last portal cycle for fsu is what gilbert edmund and that was a necessity yeah. because Derek and he's a, departed he's a, and he needed depth He's playing like 20 snaps a game. So. But and that but like that was you were recruiting against Florida and LSU and Auburn, I think. Like it, it was a big recruiting win, regardless if it's yeah. been fruitful on the like uh, and he gives you multiple years and you're hoping maybe there can be development within the yeah. process, even though we haven't quite Byron, seen it. Byron Vaughn is a top twenty five pass rusher in efficiency, but you know what? <laughs> what do I know? I didn't even intentionally set you up for your obsession with Vaughn's, but there you are. Plugging it in. I, I think they have graduated past the quote unquote money ball uh, of roster building. They, they, they Sinone, to... Brendan Sinone wants to be in the FSU scouting department. A oh, scouting I'll department. That whole that that, that's his wheelhouse. That's what he would love to do. I feel like I'm okay at it. He'd be like Rick Trickett with the tapes where he'd watch five plays and be like, not enough, and throw it against the wall. That's exactly that's basically what I'm doing is I'm trying to catch up with transfer portal stuff. Times at a minimum, we know right away or we don't. Let's let's keep it going. Um, no, you don't get a top five recruiting class and you don't get to be 10 and 0 uh by playing money ball in college football. It's just it's not not how it works. Uh Soda LMD by Sinone, FSU gives Norvell a raise and extension before the season is done. Um can, 
can I throw this to you guys as like a different talking point? Uh, you just sure. yell at Byerson on real quick, and then we'll then uh, I want to expand it. I, so, I will say known. I don't think it happens before the season. Okay, so, maybe same. maybe the, before signing day. So the the timing of it doesn't particularly interest me. I think what interests me is one if it happens, right? And, and I think yes, he is he has outperformed his current contract, and that's how college football works. Uh, I don't want to pocket watch, uh, but what I what I am interested in is Mike Norvell is so keen and has been throughout his time here of big picture, holistic, building a program. And that means sacrificing stuff. He's someone who was willing to take a pay cut during the pandemic. Him and his family have donated back to Florida State. I'm very curious to see a raise deserved uh, in the world of college football, given what he's looking over and managing and how much money it brings in. But like, what else? Like, support staff growth, uh, promises with facilities, like expiration dates of like when it's built, things like that. I'm curious to see like what recruiting budget gets expanded for travel thing. Things like that, I think are what interests me. Like, what does that look like? So uh, would you guys think like, is that what's more important or like, are we looking at probably like $11 million a year, like jumping from eight to 11? Like, no, I, I, think that's I, I agree with you. The only other points I would add is I think if he makes the playoffs, you'd probably put him into a category that's similar to playoff payouts for coaches in the sense of the idea, because you believe he's going to guide you there again, that this is a beginning of something, not necessarily just a one-off. Um, the other thing to mention in all of this financially is Willie Taggart comes off the books in January. Okay. Um, that is, and that is an important detail without a doubt. Uh, let's see. By Orsonone, FSU lands one of uh, – this question was put in on Monday. FSU lands one of Smith or Coleman, the other one being Cam Coleman. Um, Jeremiah. I'll buy. Yeah, I'll buy that too. Okay. I, things are happening for you guys to both think that's – to have some level of confidence in that. Uh, Byers Sonone, sponsored by the Turner Group. Turner Group. This is for Matt three two nine. FSU plays its best game of the season in the Swamp or the ACC championship game. Uh, the elusive perfect game uh, has not happened yet. Uh, that was a perfect half a couple times, especially against LSU. Uh, so we get a FSU's A game. Chris, I'm Sononing it. I thought it was going to happen last weekend. It didn't happen. I feel like it's kind of what this team is now. Like they're yeah. not. They're not perfect, um, and that's fine if they keep winning games. It's also known. But if they do have a great second quarter after a really good first quarter, I may get real giddy at halftime because second quarters have been brutal. Chris starts to love writing his little headlines to jinx him at halftime. Uh, by Orsonov. Sponsored by? The Turner Group. Ricky O8811. FSU finishes with a top three class with a major flip prior to early signing day. Bye. Bye. So to get to the, the so right now FSU is at three. Interesting. If they flip Jeremiah Smith, and nothing else, let's say nothing else happens in between, then Zach's holding up two fingers. Ohio State's class drops to three. FSU's would go up to two based on that. Based on the Ohio State losing points of someone like a Jeremiah Smith caliber and FSU gaining it. Is that with Ohio State adding Amaris Williams? No. Okay. Don't I mean, we expect that. Right I'm just saying we expect that to be a potential happening for them. Uh, what timeline? Soon-ish, I think. Okay. Um, point being is you're in a you're all of a sudden you're in a horse race with Ohio State for number two. I don't think anyone's catching Georgia. I tried to do the cal- class calculator. You'd have to you land need... like every top target. Jeremiah like, Smith, Cam Coleman, Josiah Trader, oh, okay. yeah. uh, Xavier High Bates. Yeah, it's like everyone you have to land. It's like a dream squad. But you know what? 
dare to dream guys. I've learned, and I've said it before, do not put ceilings on what Mike. I remember when we used to talk about if we thought we were, they would finish top five or top 10. Do you remember June? Oh, June was fun. I'll never forgive some of you for June and some of you on this podcast uh, even for that. How about Randy cooking? Let me cook. Let Randy cook. So that thread, for those that don't know, there's a thread about Randy being what top five recruiter in the league. He's the Does number five it? recruiter. No, number five recruiter in the country. Country top <laughs> number, the number one recruiter in the ACC because his South Florida ties have come through for FSU this year. Yes. So in that thread, yeah, it, it took about ninety posts, but we got to the point where we had the understanding of like, yes, linebacker recruiting can be better, but yes, Randy Shannon's also an asset in recruiting. Like both can be true. Yeah, There's I mean, new. he's helped. He's definitely helped them a lot this year with with South Florida recruiting, especially like Jamari Howard goes to Miami New Orleans. That's where Randy Shannon went to high school, so he has a lot of connections there. And then he's also personally connected to Armando Blunt and his family. That was obviously a, obviously a massive recruitment for Florida State to win as well. With the last twelve months of Chris Thompson getting Jaheim Bell, Kyle Morlock, and Landon Thomas, he's won the award already. But I'm sure we can take it from his desk and give it to Randy next year if he starts pulling off linebackers. And for the record, a guy like Ty Jackson is a much better linebacker than he recruited in recent years in the 25 cycle. Who was here last weekend? Chris is getting to a point where he's rubbing his hands together maniacally, leaned back in the chair. Um, you know what? We're in a spot, I think, emotionally where we can talk about this because I thought about it last night. Uh, and then I had a dream about Adam Fuller and giving him apple seeds. That's Adam, a little awkward. I'm sorry, uh, it's, but it happened. Uh, but I, I think it's because I was thinking about this as a as a prompt at some point or another. But I think we can talk about it now. Let's say Adam Fuller, which who has a top ten defense based on efficiency metrics, gets a head coaching job this this offseason, and I think he's qualified to do it. Like at this point, like there are, there are a lot of doubters talking about someone else who's had a really like nice glow up. What he did with transfer portal recruiting. And what this defense has become, FSU like is legitimately like the number one pass defense against Power Five teams nationally. Like, if he gets a head coaching job somewhere, do you just re redo it all, bring in a new DC, and start anew, factoring what you have in with this recruiting class, right? Or do you, Randy Shannon's a co DC, you keep that and you move Pat Sertan up to co DC as well. Uh, or someone else internally and kind of do the co-DC thing. Well, like maybe like, okay, you hire safeties coach who's a badass on the recruiting trail. Like, I think that's in play. I didn't know if that would be in play at the beginning of the season. I think the latter is, is a legit thing to like, to mull over. I've always viewed Randy's co-DC title as a gesture of title versus a gesture of duties. And he does plenty to help the defense, but Adam Fuller's the defensive coordinator. He, he is, but Randy is very like in the game planning part of it, yeah. and he's the eye in the sky. Like he is, so you would have to find someone else like to fill the Adam role of like pushing the button on game days. But like you know, Randy as an overarching member of the defensive staff is very valuable. I think. I think some of that too is what head coach gets fired that you view as a good defensive coordinator type that you can potentially go higher. Troy's DC, but but Mike has always been a big believer in internal promotion. He's done that plenty throughout his career, both here and at Memphis. So I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I just don't think it's a sure thing that it would be Randy getting elevated you know, along with Pat. I, I think it's a. I think it's like something to monitor. as how I would. I'd yeah, be. I mean, in my opinion, I, I think they need to go. If if Fuller does leave, I think they need to go hire a, a DC out of the program and maybe revamp the defensive staff in general. I think that there's a need for that a little bit. Well, Zach, what, what if 
I, I think that's a valid point. Like, what if uh, this all happened? Well, I guess it, you know, I guess you're okay because there'd be sign day and you'd probably be in the playoffs. So, like, I don't think your head coach or DC would be leaving to be a head coach like on December fifteenth. I'm worried yeah. about the recruiting class. That's really really good with a lot of like, yeah, DBs getting plucked or getting negatively recruited. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely think they need to retain Pat Sertan. Um, no matter what. So you'd say he yeah. is a, a DC like you are. If a new DC were to come in, you say you are keeping Pastor Tan. I I think so. I mean, huh. he's proven to be pretty reliable on the recruiting trail, and they have one of the best, like you said, one of the best pass defenses in the entire country. So uh, the DB play this year has been one of the biggest like surprises to me. Like we thought they would be better, but they've been like borderline elite. No, they've been for for a cornerback group that doesn't have a surefire like day one or even probably day two pick, um, and maybe day two, but like I, I don't think so. They've been elite at defending the pass. Yeah. Sands fluky plays for Miami. It wasn't a fluke. Buy or Sinone from Warren B15. Chris, I'll throw this to you because you know the answer. Buy or Sinone, will Daryl Jackson play in the ACC championship? The answer is no, because the semester is still ongoing at that point. That's why it's been explained to us. So he'll play if they go to the playoffs whole game. Which, like, the idea of him being fresh and being thrown into that mix, like, it's intriguing. I don't know if you guys read the practice reports, but Daryl Jackson, still good. Still good. Still that's, good. All, that's all you report on him. People at the beginning of the years have their feelings hurt. Don't tell us how good he's doing. Uh, sorry. J Rod 3131. Sponsored by the Turner. By Ersonone. Tate takes more snaps against North Alabama than Jordan Travis. Uh, in an ideal world, that's a buy. Like, that'd be great, right? I think we see both. No, known because they'll probably roll Brock Glenn, right? Is he is he good? Yeah, he can play. I think Brock Brock Glenn could play. That'd be interesting. Like who? Like let's say you well, play. I'm, I'm just saying more so. Like they might Tate might be quarterback too, but I think they'll rotate Brock Glenn in. Like if they have a big lead, you know what I mean? It's like I think. Quarterback. So I think let's Jordan, say FSU's up twenty-one nothing after a quarter and three offensive series. Travis has been good. Do you pull him? Yes. No. I, I would I pull him as, as soon as you build build a three score lead, you pull him. I, I just. North Alabama is pretty go, awful for the record. They're three and yeah. seven. I know, but I, I think they probably go four home. scores. We've never we've never really seen them pull him after three scores, have we? I know this is a team that's not good, but I don't know. I'm interested to see how they manage it all this weekend. I think the intention going into the game is to play a lot of people and really lean into your depth and give guys that haven't seen a lot of reps. You know, Sam Singleton, who hasn't been healthy up until now. Get him out there for yeah. A has he been you know? good in practice? I noticed. Norbert I don't know about good. Uh, he had some. Uh, Dang. Well, well, he dropped some balls Tuesday in the okay. passing game. So I don't, I don't want to fluff him up to be. You know how it goes. He said on a podcast one time that well, Holmes was fast. Dane said he was Dalvin Cook. So, <laughs> well, Dane can have the president of fan club moment there. Sam's been fine. He, he's a kid that's getting more reps and it's showing progress as he gets reps. But he had a couple balls dropped in passing stuff on Tuesday. Um, we're having this conversation. Um, by Orsonone S. Thornton 21, sponsored by Turner Group. Four FSU players will be drafted in the first two rounds of next year's NFL draft. Are, are we talking about 2024, probably or 2025 draft? Right? I took it to mean 24 because it's oh, this upcoming draft. Yeah, 
Okay. Well, that's a synonym then. I don't think you have that many. What? What are the possible candidates? Jared Ver- okay, Coleman. Keon Coleman and Jared versus their talking point. Yeah, yeah, and then Johnny maybe would be the third. Maybe. Yeah. And then I think people would take a chance yeah. on him because of size and speed. I don't yeah. think it'll be four. Maybe Jaheim Bell, like if you love him as a gadgety guy. Uh, I, would, I don't think he'll be a top. Third round, so you're talking like a top 100 pick. I thought he said top two round. Yeah. Oh, I thought he said, uh, see, uh, my brain was thinking day two, which includes the third <sighs> round. All right, Sinone, that's not happening. Moving on, Jack's Beach, one, two, three, six, by or Sinone. Jimbo fades away into the ether and never coaches again. Chris, I'll give you that one. Also, no, no, I think he is a guy that's too obsessed with the idea of coaching not to try to do it somewhere somehow. Uh, Stanford. Okay, Tampa Knoll 2000, Byers Sinone for you, Zach. FSU is best positioned to flip Cam Coleman. Sinone, I think it's Auburn, but FSU is probably right behind them. I agree. I think Auburn. I mean, it was a shock when he chose A&M over Auburn the first go-round. He's from yeah. Phoenix City, correct? Yes. Yes. That's, what, within an hour of Auburn? Probably. He'll probably be there for the Iron Bowl, and they'll probably get him for an OB. So will FSU, or at least that's the plan. But we'll see kind of how things shake out. I'm just like, yeah, it's by Columbus. So yeah, it's close to Auburn. I'm just not uh, Alabama kids. Like, I'm not holding my breath for that is how I yeah. feel. Uh, FSU come uh, recruiting momentum between <laughs> FSU and UM is neutral due to close win. So no. So no. Anyone who told you otherwise is not. There's like some podcast clip with these Miami fans going, I think it went the other way. I know what they're telling recruits. I also know what I saw with my own eyes and what we've heard the week after. Mario is not going to forget how to recruit. He's not going to change how he recruits. He's, he's good at that. That is his greatest asset maybe as a head coach. Yeah, but they have momentum. You saw like they flipped the 85-grade guy from uh, – The Louisville kid. Yeah, I actually like South that Alabama. kid. Yeah, I know. We were, we, we were literally talking about him a, a few weeks ago, right? Before we Very knew hot. Miami was in there, yeah. yeah. But like let's watch the finish and we can have the conversation about momentum because I think the finish is going to prove which one has momentum. Ooh. Yeah, it's just – it's so – it's like just different ways to do it and – you're looking at like the bitter end of this cycle here and FSU's positioned itself very well for like, say a Jeremiah Smith and Zach mentioned this, like <laughs> the messaging for him very early on in his career has come to fruition that FSU had and what they told said about him, what they said about the program. When your message is clear and consistent over a period of time, I think that tends to like really good stuff. It's when it starts changing, it's like, yeah, maybe they can get you some into some doors pretty quickly, but like, when you're not preaching the same thing over and over again, I feel like that becomes problematic. And even just for Miami to now be pivoting potentially to the transfer portal after they try to push a narrative of playing true freshmen and developing. And all of a sudden you're like, well, yeah, but we're going to marry it with, with transfer, portal, which you should do. Like yeah, that is incredibly smart to do because it is a asset. It is a way to recruit. But for them to change their recruiting stance and to change the way they say they're directing this team in a, in a roster building way, if that comes to fruition, you can go ahead and, and tell people that you're, you know, you can go ahead and pivot. But I think a lot of people, a lot of recruits will see through that too. And so games have been played and yes, Miami's getting better as a program. It was probably always going to get better as a program with Mario recruiting the way he recruits and, those resources, but like what FSU is doing just feels far more sustainable. 
Miami's also 10th in the ACC, so let's not go crowning them champions of anything. They covered a spread. Last couple here. Uh, match it null, buyers known, Alfred called Sexton, <laughs> and that's Jimmy Sexton, super agent, and said, it's on site if you start playing games and messing with my program. He's buying it. I'm synoning that. Um, uh, those exactly. two those two have a good relationship. That's, I'll just leave it at that. Whoa, what are you trying to say, Chris? That Michael Alfred and Jimmy Sexton have known each other a long time and have a good relationship. Uh, and, and there was a point where FSU's prior athletic director could not be in a room with Jimmy Sexton. Now, don't forget, Jimmy Sexton's going to do everything humanly possible to do the best for his clients. It's what he's tasked with doing. It's like paying a lawyer $2,000 an hour to get off of something. Like, yeah, that's what they're there to do. But good show. $2,000 to get off is awfully. Chris, <laughs> answer me this. Sorry, pad word usage. As I report chatter, reports have been varied too. Like, there's legitimate reporting that, like, Jimmy Sexton, not Mike Carvel's agent anymore. I think that was on front office sports. I forget. Um, yeah, I guess I, so I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, go ahead. You're I, understand, what I, was I, I guess an individual within the group with Jimmy has split off and he's doing his own thing. And he's somebody that Mike's had involvement with along with Jimmy. Um, and I guess there was a belief that he may go with Mike might go with this individual. I think his name is Clint. I don't, I'm not super familiar with this individual. I double checked earlier this week, both with somebody that would be involved in negotiations as well as an SID source at Florida state regarding who Mike's agent still was. And it is in fact, so Jimmy Sexton, but there was that, I believe it was front office boards. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two more, two more. And then we got to get out of here. This podcast is running, running long. And unfortunately there's like two, two and a half more pages left of buyers and owns. I apologize. Uh, it's what it is guys. A lot of going on right now. B Dotson 27. Byer Sinone, the staff likes Xavier Lucas over Zay Mincy. Zach. Sinone. I think the their preference would be Xavier Mincy. He's the uh, LJ McRae's teammate at Daytona Mainland High School, the four-star defensive back. His frame is really intriguing. Six foot three, 200 pounds. Um, he's a guy that FSU's liked at cornerback for a long time. For a while, it felt like they didn't really have a shot, but the messaging coming out of the weekend uh, for the Miami game that Xavier Mincy made it to alongside McRae was that he was giving them a real shot uh, alongside. I think the two other biggest contenders are Alabama and Miami, actually. Um, I know Florida has been mentioned, but at least right now um, when checking in on things, I, I think they might be fading away a little bit. And Florida State might be trending, not in a way that I think they're leading for the kid or anything like that. But I do think they're an, a legit contender and um, have a, a shot to, to land him down the stretch. He mentioned on Sunday he's probably going to Miami this weekend. I think there's a chance LJ goes with him as well. Yeah. I have a Florida crystal ball there, and I'm not quite ready to move off of it, but I'm not overly confident in it either. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I, I don't I don't think FSU is going to get him just the way that his recruitment's gone to this point. Um, personally, if I, if I had to guess right now, maybe it would be Alabama. I think he has some family ties to that program or – around that area in general so yeah i don't know for sure where he's going um but miami seems to be a school that's legitimately in the picture for him i think this weekend if he makes it to coral gables or uh, not to coral gables to hard rock stadium um for that game that uh that'll be an important visit to track all right last one here i had to sift through figure out which one i wanted to do but uh this one uh 
Chris would say fluffs me up a little bit. So that's where we're going. Uh, Saw Dog Father by Orsonone, sponsored by the Turner Group. I'm sorry, Colin. Did you do something with your hair? It looks great. You know, slightly new product, new shampoo, and just uh, just leaning into, hey, I'm not going to have it forever. It's turning gray. I thought you, I was going to say you kind of look like George Washington, like with a wig. I would say you, Ryan, dated it, but you didn't do it with the beard. So it might just be the hair. Just the hair looks like good. If, if it was completely white, you'd look like George Washington. Okay. Minus um, the teeth thing. Buy or no, new targets emerge or reemerge based on coaching carousel and teams like Miami and Florida underperforming. We kind of talked about this, but like transfer portal stuff too. Like, it, let's discuss it. Like, I, I think it's a buy, right? Like, this is going to, yeah. FSU is going to foot and door. Yeah, I'll buy it because I'm sure there's someone that will come about. I mean, Kim Coleman, to a degree, has kind of come about because of AM faltering and Jimbo getting, you know, fired. Um, LJ McCray with Florida struggling, maybe. like Yeah, but that's not really a new target. I, uh, I, so I, I like, took the question to mean somebody a little bit more either like long forgotten or out of left field. Zandamella would has, like that's happened. Like, I know he's not I mean, a new target. Like like, yeah. Who? Who's that? Kai Bates, like okay. we haven't been talking about Kai Bates for the last couple yeah. months. Yeah, it's since yeah. about June or yeah. July, I guess he decided. Whatever July, July, so. Yeah, yeah, I think some of it's happened. And to be fair, this yeah. question was, I think, on Monday. It, it's a buy because the likelihood of it happening is it exists for sure. Yes. Cool. So yeah, guys, this has been a. These are my favorite types of weeks. Like the 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 evenings when Zach gets us in a FaceTime to start talking about stuff that's happening and like it's all hands on deck and like, we're trying to figure out what is occurring and trying to connect puzzle pieces. And we're all working together. Like that's what I love about this. It's job. funny because like, if you look at like how our listeners and our like people on the most of seven message board are, are taking in information. It really hasn't been that crazy of a week. Um, besides just, you know, some buzz. You don't but, send like, you don't have people blowing up your phone and stuff. I do, but it. Dude, FSU it, Twitter attacked Brian Hartline this week. Yes, like, it's been like it's been crazy, but like trust me, it is like like behind the scenes, it is wild right now. Do um, we need to give Trey an extra star for his work on Monday? That was awesome. Yeah, I called Trey and I was like, "Man, what was what?" He's like, "I had the most fun I've had in a long time on Twitter." <laughs> Trey's my spirit animal. Yeah, they're uh, all trying to like get blocked by Hartline now. I think that's pretty funny. I mean, you called him lame, so you might get blocked. Good. Block me. Block me. All right. For Zach Blostein, Chris Nee, uh, thank you to all of our sponsors. I'm Brendan Sinem. This has been On the Bench. It's been a fun week. Uh, probably won't do a Null Thy Enemy. Uh, we'll see if we have any other podcasts later this week. We will see. But thank you for checking in. It's been OTB. We'll talk to you later. Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. 
A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.